Georgia Dow is a therapist, but she's not your therapist. This show should not substitute a personal consultation with a professional. professional excuse for being late today. I was playing Gears of War. <laughs> <laughs> Very professional. Um, be so, just, so how good was Gears of War? How much it, better was Gears of War than us? It was, it was really good. I just beat Horde mode. <laughs> so I'm sorry. You are here now just in time to talk about Oculus's recent Connect event. All right. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Yeah, so Oculus held its Connect 3 keynote. Uh, and we saw, we saw quite a few things. We saw some really wonky, but interesting, uh, VR, uh, experiences with Mark, like going to his house and looking at his dog that, uh, is, is like the cousin it from, uh, the Adams family. And we saw that they're going to be making a standalone headset, which is super Ooh. cool. And we finally got a ship date for the Oculus touch controllers. Yeah. Yep. I'm in the first uh I'm in the first line to get that. What about you, Georgia? Yeah, we're we're lined up to get that and hopefully we're gonna be able to pull some strings and get it sooner. But right. um, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> who knows with how long like you know what they say is the ship date and actually gonna be the ship date. I'm really excited. Like my most, I'm most excited because then I'll be able to play games with one person on the Vive, one person on Oculus, so we can both be in VR and play a game <laughs> together. That's awesome. That's awesome. I don't know. Um, I was talking to a lot of people before um, OC3, and I was invited this year, but I chose to sit it out because of. You know, it was it was multifactorial. Part of it was Palmer Luckey's terrible, terrible comments and, you know, supporting white supremacist memes. Um, but the other part of it is, frankly, Oculus has botched their launch to the point that um, I didn't really think it was that important to go. I mean, Georgia, be honest. How much have you played your Oculus since you bought it? Uh, you know what? Oculus is... I don't really use my Oculus. I, I find that the games, there's a lot of games on it that make me nauseous. Yep. And that that's a complete game. Like, that's that's a game break. Like, that just destroys everything. I can't play for a little while after that happens. And it's just not as good of an experience. I Like, this headset's beautiful, but it's not as good of an experience as con- in compared to the Vive. And not even as good of an experience as compared to um, the... Um, uh, the PlayStation VR either. So I'm like, I don't know. I'm not sure. I think that they really don't understand the, you know, X axis movements. One of someone else was playing just the racing game yesterday while someone else was on the Vive. And also they got ill almost immediately and they had to stop playing. Yeah. Yeah. That's very much my experience as well. Like until the touch controller goes, like you're basically sitting down um, playing games, which is just a recipe for nausea if you can't move around and see things. So, um, you know, I just feel like Oculus is really, really, really threatened 
its um, leadership position in the marketplace by de- by delaying touch controller this severely. Now, once it gets out there, because it has individual uh, finger articulation, I do think it has potential to be better. Um, in Neo Georgia, like there's a little camera that you put up that tracks your Oculus. Um, you know, one an extra one's going to come with the touch controller. And yeah, a that's third the problem, though, right, Bree? Is that so? You get one more camera, you get the two touch controllers, but to actually get a 3D experience, you need another camera, which is not going to be sold until December. Again, it's not going to be great. And I have to say this like, you know, they got on stage, and Micah, do you know this number? It was like they announced $10 million towards VR um, diversity experiences. Did you all see that? Uh, no, actually. So to kind of counteract Palmer Lucky's, you know, funding white supremacists, uh, you know, this is the CEO of Oculus. They announced $10 million in giving diverse voices, uh, publisher support. I have to say that is nothing. That is nothing. Right. That is nothing. You know, Mass Effect cost, uh, Mass Effect 3, I think, cost $121 million to make. So you're not even talking about a tenth of one single really major game and when you diffuse it along among a bunch of people it's just not going to add up to anything so um i just gotta be honest georgia like i'm right there with you i really love my vibe but i just i didn't see anything out of this conference that gives me you know hope that they're going to come back and be a marketplace leader can we talk a little bit yeah. about Facebook's social apps? Because to me, this is this is the big news out of there. It's not touch mm-hmm. controls or anything. So just to give listeners a little bit of background, you know, one of the reasons Facebook purchased Oculus is kind of sensing that um, you know, typing words on a screen to connect with people via social networks, that's not gonna last forever. And eventually there are gonna be systems like playing chess with different people, like um, you know, interacting with people in real time, and eventually getting to that snow crash future where you're at the black sun holding like meetings with different people um you know where it'll reach your facial emotions i'm not joking like that's that's the actual goal um and to me that was the really big uh experience out there just to give listeners a little bit more background you know the um one of the the founders of popcap makers of the wonder wondrous game peggle um went through a uh, round of vc funding and uh, they're creating this exact kind of social experience. So seeing Mark Zuckerberg up there on stage debuting these features, to me, that was the only real breakthrough of this um, of this event because Vive just doesn't have a social presence, right? Like, they just don't, and they don't have any... I mean, I guess they've got Steam a little bit, but I don't want to talk to anyone that uses Steam, so... <laughs> <laughs> you know? they, yeah, they have, like, you know, they have chat rooms in areas where you can... You you know, talk and hang out, but it's not somewhere where it's with the people that you know um, and are friendly with. So I think that in that way, Oculus definitely with Facebook has a huge advantage to that. I don't know, making my own avatar and like I like to play like chess with people in real life. I guess if people are really far away, that's better. I just don't know how quickly or easily people would transition from something that you just go on your computer, you can send a message immediately versus the amount of time that it takes to gear up to get onto um, Oculus. I wouldn't want to do that just to chat with someone. If I'm going to chat with something, I want it to be quick, easy, and effortless. And I think that that's what Facebook and iMessages and other things, why we go there usually, because it's just fast and easy. 
like getting geared up for VR also takes a certain amount of time. Yeah. It's not that quick. No. Yeah. You have to put on your headset. You have to strap it on properly. You got to get the controllers when they have the controllers and make sure that the sensors are all on. And so, I don't know, just to be able to play a chess game with someone, I'd have to really enjoy playing a chess game with someone. Like well, I, I could. But I, I, well, oh, I was just going to say. I think it's. I think this is one of those things where it's it's kind of it's it's ahead of its time a little bit, and it's uh, you know a long time ago we didn't all have smartphones where we could text each other even, and I think you know once everybody or or the people who you know at least have this uh, headset sitting on their desk, uh, and it's you know it doesn't even have to be connected to a computer or whatever. That's when I can see this becoming an everyday thing, and I mean even still even today when we video chat with people, uh, if if I were to Skype with my aunt in Arizona, for example, there's still a little bit of a setup process where uh, depending on who you're talking to, you might take a second to make sure there's no sleep in your eye and you might, you know, readjust the camera and you get logged in and get things launched. So this is one of those right now, I think it's it's more of a novelty and it's more of a special event kind of thing where, okay, I know that my, again, aunt in Arizona has a V, uh, uh, rather an Oculus and I have an Oculus and so we're going to play a game of cards every Saturday morning or something. And and so it just kind of it, it points to the future where this thing will be even more common. Yeah, I mean, we, we've tried these kinds of things over and over again. I mean, I remember like Club Carib way back on Q-Link on the Commodore 64, but even like Second Life was a thing too. Like definitely there was a thriving community of people who wanted to be there but ultimately that was still not the not like a mainstream success and i just i just wonder if like that's you know if that's the way that people want to interact with social networks most people aren't going into facebook to make that their their primary activity like people aren't like going full screen on facebook they're dipping in they're checking a couple things and they're getting out and that's a lot of setup to be able to get there you know what I mean? And I just I don't know if that's really how a lot of people want to experience a social network now. I, I don't agree. I think eventually this this technology is going to be appleized, right? Like right now it's so fiddly. George, I'm sure you've had this experience that you want to play a VR game and you're, um, you're like one of your things isn't tracking or you've got to reinstall yeah. a bunch of drivers. You have to uninstall all the Vive software and start back over. Yeah. Like it's just, so it's not at a point now where normal people are going to do it. But in like five years or so, I do think it's going to get to the point where it's like an iPhone, right? You just pick it up, you put it on and it works. And, yeah. you know, you know, Micah, some of us are not like you and have had pimples before in our lives. And, you know, <laughs> like you could, you know, it, it's very appealing to want to, um, you know, put a cartoon representation of your yourself out there. Like for me, um, you know, often I'm asked to go on news stuff and they're like, and I'm like, no, I don't want to get on video. I've got to do my hair. I've got to you know, do A, B, and C. Like, there's a lot of friction there. So I think it will get to that point, Steve. Um, but I agree we're not there yet. Think of it as like a long game, right? Yeah, but even, even then, right? I mean, if we're talking VR and not AR, then one of the problems is just that in order to go be social online, you're effectively cutting yourself off from the people around you. I mean, there was this really great piece from Addie Robinson on on The Verge this week about how VR has kind of changed her relationship with her husband to some extent because gaming is part of their relationship, even if one person's playing and they're playing in shifts. But 
you know, they're still able to kind of pay attention when the other's doing something. Doing Playing games in VR is kind of cutting them off from being able to do that. I, I think there's a lot that needs to be figured out in terms of how does VR fit into like a family relationship or even like a couple relationship where are, are you both wearing the headset all the time? Are you, is it just that, okay, I'm going to do this now and I'm leaving you alone. And you know, that that's the, those kinds of social things that it's still too early. AR may fix all this. Like if it's just in front of you and it's there, then it's, it's a different story entirely. But when you're putting on like a sensory deprivation helmet, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of, that says something to people in your house too. You know what I mean? But that's not what HoloLens is. Like, that's, that's the what entire I'm point yeah. of AR. Yeah. And, you right. know, I think this is the point to kind of take a beat, guys. And, you know, some of us on this podcast are over 30. And I think it's fair to say that as time marches on, sometimes older people have difficulty accepting new technology. It's, you know, I do notice that most of the people that are really harsh on VR and AR are all over 35. And I think it's entirely possible that this tech could just not be something that, like, older people avoid. I mean, you know, there's going to be a point where it's just not something we're comfortable with. I do think that VR and AR is an interstitial step. And I think, you know, we're getting to a point soon where, you know, people are going to have surgeries to, like, input this information into their optical nerve. And, like, strapping stuff onto your face, this is just, it's going to be a clumsy step. But I do think eventually we're going to get to a point where it is more seamless. Yeah, I mean, that's why I'm saying AR, this makes more sense. Like something like HoloLens would make more sense because Mm -hmm. you're not like you're not you're not cutting yourself off from the rest of your of your like physical surroundings. I think that in order to dip into a social network, as opposed to like playing an immersive game, there's more of a barrier to entry there. And maybe it won't be as much with AR. If it's just there in front of you, it's just like a pair of glasses that you're wearing. Then it's a little bit easier to just kind of dip into that and then do whatever else you're going to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I see what you're saying too. The the difference is if you're going to talk about the the social stuff, if you're going to be doing the social stuff, then uh, augmented reality makes more sense. And if you're playing an immersive game where it is meant to kind of be you and the game, or you and whomever is on the other side versus you, then uh, VR might make more sense in that situation. Ultimately, I yeah, I'm also far more interested and excited about uh, augmented reality. Yeah, and same. Uh, it seems that. Uh, all of the outward press that Apple has given uh, suggests that they too are excited about AR, which is exciting again to me because that's kind of where I've put all of my money and attention. And so I hope that uh, we see a really cool AR gizmo or two from Apple. And uh, that way it can link into all the stuff I already have. And it's not this separate thing where I have to, again, go buy a, a Windows PC in order to run it. Yeah, unfortunately, you're probably going to be waiting a really long time before Apple gets into the game. Apple does not do well when they join into a field first. It's just not their thing. (laughs) You know, unfortunately, (laughs) they don't do a good job when they they enter. And they usually really wait till, one, something's very established, people are comfortable with it. And two, they spend so much time trying to see how they can make this a good experience that I would assume that, you know, so VR is here and this is the first gen and, like, we can think maybe in five to 10 years, they're going to have like, you know, something that's a really solid system and they'll say to jump in. But I'm assuming we're going to have to wait at least five years before they have anything that's probably, they'll probably have something that's like testing it out. Like something like just like, 
like the Google Glass kind of thing, like just something that's like, not Google Glass, sorry, that's like the Google VR kind of a thing. Like it's just using your phone, it'll be simple. But something where it's actually immersive AR experience for Apple will probably be at the five-year mark. Yeah, and until then, I will just use Georgia Dow's uh, VR setup and uh, hey, be fine Hey, in Montreal, it. you can try that baby out. we That's what Heck we do. Yeah. Uh, I need to tell you all about something super, super exciting. It is our friends at HelpSpot. This episode of Disruption is brought to you by HelpSpot. If you deal with any kind of customer support, you need HelpSpot. HelpSpot is the most comprehensive and flexible help desk software around. With HelpSpot, you can let your customers reach you however they choose. Email, web, phone, it doesn't matter. HelpSpot will be the central place for all of your customer support needs. You can turn disjointed email exchanges into meaningful conversations with your customers, which actually gets things solved. You can get a quick view of any trends relating to your support requests, so you can see that lots of phones are catching fire as opposed to to just one or two every once in a blue moon. And it includes real-time reporting. So you can see exactly what's happening when it's happening. And HelpSpot can host everything for you if you don't have a place to host it. But if you do have a place to host it, they can help you on your own servers too. You're going to get source code access for custom branding. You're going to get direct SQL access to write custom reports and extensive APIs and Zapier integration for connecting to your other business systems. HelpSpot is the best value in customer service. They're committed to giving you unrivaled value for your hard-earned cash. But simply, this means you're going to get uncomplicated pricing that includes everything you're going to need for your help desk. You get unlimited tickets, unlimited mailboxes, unlimited custom fields, unlimited reports, and you guessed it, unlimited knowledge bases. And it's all for one simple price with no hidden extras or complicated tiers. I mean, it's nice to be able to go online when you have a problem and find it within the help desk. So you don't have to ever call anybody. You can find it right there in the knowledge base. But if you do need to call somebody, then they're going to be able to help you with that. If you need to email, you know, some people don't like to hop on the phone. HelpSpot is free for up to three users and super inexpensive for larger teams. And guess what? You're going to get an additional 10% off for life when you use the code disruption when you sign up. So please go to helpspot.com slash disruption to start a trial today, or you can sign up free uh, for a one-on-one demo to learn more about how HelpSpot can serve your support team. Thank you so much to HelpSpot for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Thank you. Thank you, HelpSpot, for all your help. Uh, So some interesting things happened in Google recently. Uh, (laughs) By interesting, I mean new product announcements. Uh, We've got a new phone. We've got a new uh, VR headset. We've got a new uh, home smart home assistant like the Echo. And we've got some new Wi-Fi pucks and a new Chromecast device. So... (laughs) Google announced quite a bit. Uh, I personally think uh, the most important bits are the new phones and the new uh, home assistant. But I'm curious to see what everyone else thinks about the the Pixel and Google Home and all the rest of it. Well, I think it comes at a. It couldn't have come at a more interesting time. Um, you know, something happened last night is Samsung's Galaxy Note Seven, which I'm sure people know has been exploding, along with Samsung washing machines. And, and this isn't a joke. Yeah. Like, you know, a, a third person was 
hurt very seriously by a replacement Samsung Galaxy Note last night, and the smoke actually caused him to go to the hospital. Uh, he exploded while he was in bed. This was a replacement phone. It was supposed to be safe, and you know, I don't have to tell you when you're breathing lithium-ion smoke, that's very carcinogenic. Um, so what's really disturbing about this was some of the, the texts that Samsung sent this person accidentally talking about stalling them. And it, it just, it looks incredibly bad. The Verge reported wow. on it. So, you know, there are really only two players in uh, the Android field that consistently make money. Um, you know, one of them is Samsung and the other is the, the Nexus line. Um, you know, HTC, they're doing well with Vive, but, you know, they haven't made profit in a long time. So I think it's very interesting now that, you know, Google is coming out with this phone is Samsung seems to be... Uh, exploding <laughs> like, like as a company um, you know, this is really going to hurt them so I think that's interesting I do think it's worth noting this phone is it's not waterproof like the iPhone it's not as fast as an iPhone um, it can't compete with an iPhone but what, what is very interesting to me are the features included with it so it will um, you know it will interface with Google's new assistant uh, software, which is really trying to get us to the, the Siri AI future. And there's also a VR pro, uh, product called uh, Google Daydream. So I've messed a lot with Gear VR, which is the Samsung version of this, and it's extremely bad. Uh, we experimented with developing with that at GSX, and it just makes you so sick you can't do it. So I'm very, um, I'm not very confident that uh, you know the official Google version is going to be much better. But I am hoping that there's a way for people to get like a really high concentration of VR hardware out there, because until there's a concentrated um, you know, market of VR platforms to sell products to, um, you know, just developers are never going to make money. It's it's something that Google really had to do to take their their destiny into their own hands. Like the fact that their their brand is basically in Samsung's hands right now mm-hmm. is something that they had to address. I, I think that what really got me from the Pixel announcement is what you have to do in order to get to a lot of the advanced features that they're announcing in that in that reveal. And I mean, in order to use the Google Assistant, which is basically the next version of Google Now, main, it's baked into the operating system and you cannot use encryption in order to and still be able to use the Assistant. So basically what Google's saying is that encryption and, you know, the Google Assistant are not compatible, which is kind of concerning. It's something that you don't really know what they're, what kind of data they're collecting and how much data they're collecting once it's built into the operating system. And that that kind of really surprised me that more more people aren't really talking about that. There were a couple yeah. of a couple of articles about the privacy nightmare that the Google Assistant would would present, but that seems like it's a really big deal that they're just coming out and saying that their their AI technology is not is not um, compatible with encryption. But it's not just that, Steve. It's also their Wi-Fi router. So, you know, just to go back to another example, Nest when it came out. So originally Nest kept all your data extremely, extremely private, correct? So then Nest comes out 
and Google acquires it, and then they start like sending all of your home's data over to Google. They start aggregating all that data by changing the terms of service after the fact. And as we know, because we talked about it on the show before, um, you know, they can determine if you are having sex in your house or not by the temperature. And there are people that have done that. So, you know, the thought of, A, someone buying one of these Google Wi-Fi routers and then having them change the terms of service and saying, hey, instead of, like, aggregating all of this from web searches, we're just going to go straight to the host. Yeah. And, you know, beyond that, like, Georgia, I loved the the just rant that Renee made for iMore talking about when is privacy going to be enough when Pokemon Go like yeah. gave all of your data out there. And it's really, even if you trust Google, the fact that they could, I, who here can imagine Google opening up this to someone to do something with, right? Yeah. And then they don't really check the controls of who has it. And then someone else is stealing all your data and Google's just like, da, da, da. you know, <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's really, truly scary. So, you know, and I feel bad because something I'm really proud of on my other podcast, Rocket, is I think that even though we use Apple products, I do think we're fair about covering devices across the entire ecosystem. I use a Google device as my phone one half of the time. But everything from this announcement, except for the fabric of the Google Daydream, which I thought was pretty (laughs) cool, really gave me serious pause. Like, it just kind of strikes me that, like, two years ago, everybody completely went off the wall when Microsoft announced the Xbox One in, her, in its original incarnation, and it was going to have the Kinect camera that was always going to be on. And and it was just like the, the entire internet rose up as one and said, what are you thinking? But Google does these things, and nobody really questions it. I mean, no. it's funny because I, like, I was one of those terrible people who for about 15 minutes considered if I wanted to switch to Android because of the headphone jack thing. I came to my senses. But... I thought because I started looking at it and then I thought about it. I'm like, I don't I'm just not comfortable with Google being in control of the operating system, because even if they have and I know they have permissions and you have to grant everything. But there reaches a point where you, you know, the the deal is changed and pray that I don't alter it further. Right. And so even if you trust them right now, there's nothing to say that Google in 10 years is the same Google that it is today. And you've already given them all your data. You can't unring that bell. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, I'm just so it gets me so angry. So I was using um, like uh, I love bitch Moji, And then I looked that app. I was no longer uh, when I upgraded my my phone. I figured out that Bitmoji was no longer like accepted on my system. And I figured out that that was because they changed their privacy policy so that they would have more access to my texts and the things that I type and I write and what I do with it. And I'm like, you know what? I just want to use a damn picture on my iMessages. I don't want to give you access to what I write and why I'm writing it. I'm so sick and tired of video games that I want to play, wanting to know, you know, everything about my phone. I'm so angry that this is what happens because privacy policies need a complete overhaul. They are non-legible to anyone that does not have a law degree. And I'll be honest, most lawyers that I've spoken to, they don't read them either because it's time consuming and you want to play. And I think that there needs to be legislation that is out there to make private privacy policies, one, legible, and two, we need to have legislation that will protect the person, not the company. I am sorry, companies are not people. That's disgusting. 
Preach. And, you know, they did that with credit card uh, stuff. They did it with, with credit in general. They overhauled that and everything has to be super easily understood and there are certain ways that has to be laid out. They did it with nutrition facts, obviously. Uh, there's no reason why as we move further and further and farther and farther, whichever one works, into this future where we are interfacing so much with devices that there aren't also rules and regulations surrounding the way that these companies communicate their privacy privacy policies to us because we have that we should have that right to know exactly what we're turning over and what we're not because someone could end up telling us that every time they say the word lemonade we have to jump three times in the air and none of us actually know that we're doing that because we just want to play lemonade watch or whatever the heck the game might Mm -hmm. be called and i guess the other question and i don't know that we really need to get into it too deeply but it's like once they once everything revolves around ai assistance right and that's that seems to be the way that google seems to be like the next frontier in technology like you really 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 need to trust whoever's running that assistant because they have the ability once they're collecting all of your data to not only learn your behavior but potentially influence it like it, it's possible that, you know, and maybe this is something Google wouldn't do because if they ever got caught, it would be a nightmare. But if something like the Amazon might try to do or whoever that, you know, maybe they start guiding you and, you know, to do something differently than you would have otherwise or guide you to a restaurant that maybe paid them a little bit more in advertising money. Like this is this is a little bit, you know, tinfoil hatty. But just because the problem is that you just don't know what's going on in the black box. Like, I saw a lot of excitement about this announcement, and I didn't see quite as much, like, critical thought about it as I was expecting, because this this looks like it could go really scary really quickly if it's not, you know, if, if there isn't really oversight or at least, like, an adult in the room managing this thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's well said. Yeah, you, you can come to disruption for the, the talks about the the privacy implications and things like that. And uh, if you want to learn more about the actual devices and things like that, then uh, go ahead and just head to madeby.google.com and you can learn all about them. But I've got to tell you all about something super exciting. This episode of Disruption is brought to you by our dear, dear friends, Text Expander from Smile. I mean, double, double shout out because Text Expander and Smile are always giving a shout outs on Twitter. And uh, we love you. And thank you for sponsoring our show. So if you're wondering what the heck Text Expander is, it's this friggin' awesome tool that lets you communicate smarter. Text Expander puts the power of amazing text shortcuts in the palm of your hands. With just a few keystrokes, you're going to be able to expand phrases, sentences, paragraphs, the entire constitution in a flash. You're going to be able to speed through and still customize your repetitive stuff with the use of Text Expander's fill-in snippets, which I I friggin' love. So you don't have to worry about that uh, ridiculous boilerplate drudgery. And you can even transform that repetitive stuff into knowledge. So with Text Expander team subscriptions, you can share your snippets with your entire team and you make everybody more productive. Text Expander can format dates, it can autocorrect misspellings, it can search your collected knowledge with a few letters and a hotkey. Text Expander is perfect for standardizing and improving the written replies you and your team write every day. It helps you share consistent answers for a whole company so that way you're not telling the the customers one thing and someone else is telling the customers another thing. 
So I want to tell you a little bit about my use with Text Expander because seriously, this thing is so incredibly powerful. So uh, I am a a site editor at at times. I'm a senior editor at at iMore, and at times I have to be the person who edits the site and gets things ready to go for the next day and uh, make sure things are you know copy edited and whatnot. Well, one of the things that we do is we let everybody know at the end of the day what's going to be coming up and what's going to be published tomorrow. Well, originally I was going through and typing. Seven o'clock, eight o'clock, nine o'clock, and putting in the headlines and things like that. And then I realized, what the heck am I doing? I've got Text Expander. So I popped in and I made a Text Expander snippet with those friggin' awesome fill ins and also some date calculations. So it automatically calculates, it can see like today is Monday or today is Sunday and tomorrow is Monday and it'll put in Monday and we'll say, fill it all in. You hit enter and it automatically pops it into whatever text field you're typing in. I mean, I'm, I use it at work all the time too. I mean, in it, like I, we have to do access requests for users. We want to get access to our system and like, For a long time, it was my responsibility. I passed it over to one of my junior devs, and now she's on vacation, so I get to do it again. People will put in requests for access, and they'll ask to copy this user who has all the access under the sun, and then you have to send them an email back saying, well, you asked for all this. Do you actually need it? And that I realized that was taking a lot of time, and once I made a snippet out of that and just put in a fill-in for, you you asked to copy from this, and they have access to this, 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 and this. Do you really need it? then it saved me so much time of just having to type that all up again. And even like URLs for the sites that we maintain, so I don't have to type the whole thing in again or Hertz Huntford and bookmarks or directories. Oh, yeah. Which is such an annoyance. You know, I get that down to a few keystrokes. It's a little thing. But when you're typing the same directory path that's like five or six subdirectories deep over and over again, and you can just type, you know, semicolon directory name, and then it shows up, it's it's a huge time saver. Yes. So there's there's a whole bunch of things that you can do with it. And it's a fantastic product that you should really take a look at. Absolutely. So you are going to get to try Text Expander free for 30 doggone days. Text Expander subscriptions include software for the Mac, for iPad, for iPhone, and even Windows. But listen to this, friends. Listen to this. We've got a very special offer this week. You're going to go to smilesoftware.com slash disruption, and you're going to get a 50% discount on your first year of a text expander life hacker subscription 50 percent half off this offer ends november 15th so please go to smilesoftware.com slash disruption to get all the info you need and our thanks to our friends at smile and text expander for their support of this show so let's uh, go ahead and move on to questions and uh steve you want to take it away okay so uh we have a a question from someone who I am not sure if we can say their name from. Please make sure to let us know if we can use your name or not uh, when you send in the questions. But um, So we have a question. Uh, Dear Disrupticons, can the DAO I, – I, I think that's that's your name now, by the way, the DAO. Uh, uh, can the DAO talk about emotional repression and how to deal with it? I bottle up so much of my anger that I consistently have angry nightmares about being utterly infuriated with some dream issue and being unable to express or communicate it. Naturally, I wake up from this upset and inexplicably annoyed with someone. I don't hold much with dream interpretation, but I feel in this case my head is definitely trying to tell tell me something. I realize it's important to allow yourself to experience all forms of emotion, but I don't know how to go about doing so. I'm autistic, and I suspect my very rigid thinking has an influence here since not showing anger is a social rule to me, especially as a neurodiverse woman. Anyway, whatever advice you you have would be appreciated. Thanks and love you all. Well, thank you so much for that question. And I think that 
the the way that you're thinking about dreams is actually very, very accurate. So dreams are not interpreted by what we used to think by these specific events that are happening in the dreams. But the emotions that are expressed in a dream, especially those that are strongly expressed in the dreams, be them anger, rage, uh, feeling incapacitating, be, being late, uh, incapacitated, being late, being stuck, all of those type of feelings, the feelings of frustration and where they are bound to is really linked to what you're dealing with in your day-to-day life. If you've been having a lot of rage dreams, then you're probably having an issue with that. If you're having a lot of dreams of being trapped, that might be an issue that you want to actually look into. And so I'm happy that you were able to make that link because for a lot of people, they it's an, it's a difficulty for them to do that. Now, why? Okay, so I'm not going to go into because we won't have time is to why you should express all of your emotions. But let's just assume that it is because it is most healthy for you to be able to express all the emotions that we were born with in order to keep us happy and safe and connected to other people. So when you have realized that you're not able to express something, so you're not able to express anger and sadness are probably two of the largest ones, but I do have people that are also they can express when they're feeling scared or they can't express when they're happy. When you realize that, the first thing that you're going to want to do is figure out where did this come from? It's not that you can you have to know that in order to help fix this, but it is more helpful so that you can understand why this has occurred. And there's many, there's like a vast array of reasons that this happens in many people, such as a parent telling them that they're not allowed to express uh, being angry at them and that's bad. And so they've linked up anger equals bad or bad people equal being angry. Or if you had a very explosive parent, you might have said that that caused so much damage in my home that I'm going to try to make sure that I'm never angry so that that does not happen. The next thing that you're going to want to do is kind of think about what would be a natural interaction that you would be able to express being upset at a level that you'll be comfortable with because that's the real difficult part and often that's good to work with with someone else because it's hard we were not taught how to properly express our emotions and so we can end up being repressed or highly reactive and both of them are exceptionally unhealthy and cause damage to either yourself or your personal interactions with others and the damage to yourself will even eventually cause damage to others as well because you're not being honest with what your needs are and your boundaries and consequences so after you've done that you want to say you know what what would be something that i would feel comfortable being upset about and usually i say start with if you can, journaling it, what would be okay to be angry about? What do I feel angry about? How often do I feel angry? So that you can kind of track. And what is something that happened to me that I look back in retrospect and I should have been angry, but I wasn't? And so we go back to the past so that it's easier than doing a live situation. Because if you haven't been taught a skill, it's going to be really hard to enact on the fly. So you go back to something in the past and you journal about what would be, you know, positive and still being honest with yourself, and how should you express that. And so you journal that through, and then you have many different choices. So I'll give you one, but there's like a lot of different ways to do it. You could just with yourself kind of role play. What would it be okay to be angry with? And why do you worry about being angry, or why have you chosen to cut this out? That's the next piece, is that are you worried what other people are going to do, or they're going to abandon you, or they're going to be angry at you, or they're going to leave you? And or is it just that now you're bad because you're expressing this emotion that you have linked with being bad is if you can continue to do that, 
journaling through the day when you weren't able to express anger, but you might have felt it or that you think that you should have felt it, then you can actually go into real situations and just start off by using the words. You're not going to feel them, but you can use the words. I'm feeling upset. You might not choose to use anger. Maybe anger is too strong of emotion to say even the word, I'm angry. But you could say, I'm upset, or I'm not feeling okay with this, or I'm bothered. And then later you might say, you know what, this makes me angry. And if you can do that with yourself, then you can start to do that with others. And that makes it a real comfortable, safe zone of practice, because that's what you're going to start to do. Yes, sometimes you might become too angry because this is something that you have not learned how to restrain, how to control, and how to understand. But please validate yourself. Know that it's okay to be angry. Two, know that it's protective to you to be angry at times. And then three, learn to have the proper boundaries and consequences to that emotion as well. Very well. Uh, Steve, what is the next question? Okay, so we have another question. It's a little bit lighter. <laughs> from uh, Zero Utopia, who says, I would like to know which fictional universe from any media each of the hosts would choose to live in if they couldn't be the hero and why. Uh, race and profession would be great, too, if those are major distinctions in the setting. Examples would be Hobbit in Middle-earth, member of the Capitol in Panem, uh, Martian in the Expanse, human in WoW, etc., Hey, I would uh, argue that the Hobbit in Middle-earth is the hero of the show, so is the hero of the story. Well, not so. just one of those random Hobbits. I mean, if it, you're a be one of the so four. I could be, yeah, like, I could be Sam. Oh, I couldn't be Sam Wise. No. If you're just like like random generic Hobbit number three <laughs> in the script, who's there, at the, who's there at the feast and doesn't do anything else, you know? Le- Lindo the Hobbit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who wants to go first? I, I will. I will say okay. everyone of those examples are terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, yeah. Lord of the Rings, this is a universe by men for men where women don't exist. Uh, Martian in the Expanse is a hyper-militaristic culture that, you know, I don't know if you've read through his later novels, but, like, that planet starts to die and it gets even worse. So, Ugh. like, you've, you've listed, like, a lot of really scary stuff. I think for me, um, you know, first I thought it was like, okay, Sailor Moon, this is a really great world, right? Like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's where uh, the feminine is not weak, like, it's kind of a strong characteristic and a lot of really supportive friendships. But then I realized that all the people just hanging out in Sailor Moon world are always having their energy stolen by mega creeps. So <laughs> that's probably not that good. So I was thinking like, where's a place where you can have really positive, uh, constructive female friendships. It would be on the Isle of Themyscira. Uh, for Wonder Woman, right? Like, it's ah. this island of pure joy and beauty. Uh, though I would, like, petition to get Frank to be able to come. So <laughs> That's awesome. Georgia, what about you? Okay, so I really looked into this way too far. <laughs> I was like, ah, where would I oh, be? No. I'm not the hero. So I'm like, okay, that takes out Marvel. And I'm like, oh, you know, I would, like, love to be part of, like, Harry Potter. But that means I wouldn't have any magic. So then I wouldn't want to be – no, then I wouldn't want that. Um, And so the one that I can think about being just a regular – like, Middle Earth would be horrible. That is – I'm with Brie. Horrifying. That would be just absolutely horrifying. And so most areas I'd like, you know what, which one would be something where they actually have a really evolved culture and belief system and where – things are better. And so I think that one of my favorite places to be just a regular person would probably be in the Star Trek universe where there's no longer any poverty. War has been wiped out. 
Um, there's replicators and hollow rooms. I'm like, come on. Pretty awesome already. Um, I might change the choice of clothing, but whatever. I could just replicate one on my own. And so I think that that would be my choice. That's a really good one, Georgia. I want to change mine to Star Trek universe. <laughs> I was sure you were going to pick evolved, it. It's a more evolved sensibility. We've moved post-capitalism. Yeah. Like LGBT rights don't yes. seem to be an issue. Yes. And al- we've gone as far as alien rights. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Pandas that sounds for great. Sure. <laughs> Steve, what about you? You Star Trek? No, no, definitely not. No. <laughs> um. Uh, <laughs> I I think I would like to open up a shop in Incopolis, which is the city in Splatoon. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Everything there is just so happy and bright, and they've got good music, and they just hang out and try on clothes and play around in the city, and then they come back and watch the Squid Sisters on television, and it just seems like a really happy, like, free place to just kind of hang out and be cool with cool people and not have to worry about anything. So that that is what I would like to do. Yeah, and you would love the puns that the sisters. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's like dad jokes for days in Incopolis, <laughs> so I would be all over that. <laughs> well, for me, I would want to be uh, a pilot in Farscape. So, if you haven't seen Farscape, uh, there are these things called leviathans, and they are actually living creatures. And these living creatures uh, have a symbiosis with a, another race that become the pilots of these leviathans. And the pilots actually control uh, control the leviathan by talking to it. And they live, despite the fact that there is a lot of war in Farscape, uh, I, I think I'd choose to either be pre the, the Peacekeeper Wars or post 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 Peacekeeper Wars because the the constant theme running through this whole thing is how much this relationship and the symbiosis matters to both uh, creatures, both the Leviathan, the ship, and the pilot itself. And uh, frankly, pilot was one of my absolute favorite characters in all of Farscape. But as what well. happens if you so. if you're just the regular person, you don't get to be the pilot because you're just yeah. a regular person would you still want to be in farscape wait it didn't say i had to choose a race that wasn't a human it didn't say i couldn't choose a race that wasn't human and a pilot is not human well i guess you're not the hero he's just the person shuttling everybody around so yeah well (laughs) it's a whole like it's a whole world it's a whole race like it's an alien race that end up they just have uh the ability to link with the leviathans the other race so i think that's fair but if i had to be a human in this world then i would not be in this world i would probably also go to star trek and i'd probably live on deep space nine uh and be best friends with uh captain cisco and jake and nog and and uh i would somehow convince uh dr bashir to marry me and i would kick uh o'brien off the ship and kira and i would be best pals sounds fair it's very specific I think, yes, uh, I'm currently in the middle of like my third Deep Space Nine rewatch, so that's why. All right. If you would like to get in touch with the show and uh, leave awesome, fun questions like that, or uh, some some more challenging questions that Georgia Dow is very much able to take care of, then here's how you're going to do that. You're going to call 508-418-3532. 
That's 508-418-3532. You can tweet us at underscore disruption FM with a hashtag disrupt me, and that pops it into our little special uh, place spreadsheet where we could see those tweets. Or, you know, if you'd rather just keep it between us, then go ahead and send us a direct message. Now, it's very important that you please note whether or not you want your name mentioned on the show, because we will default to leaving you anonymous. Uh, If you would like, and we would like if you would like, (laughs) please review the show on iTunes. It helps get our show in front of other people, so they can also ask us fun questions like what characters we would be, and Georgia and I can disagree on whether I can be a Leviathan pilot. (laughs) You can find the show notes with all of this exciting stuff we talked about today at relay.fm slash disruption, the relay.fm part. refers to the wonderful network relay, which we are a part of and we love you. You can find me on Twitter at Micah Sargent, as well as most other places at Micah Sargent. And Steve, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Wicked Good. (laughs) All right. And Brie, where can people find you? Uh, Well, this weekend I'm going to be volunteering for Hillary Clinton. As soon as this is off, we have this very important election. And, um, you know, we're recording this on Sunday night. And, you know, of course, Donald Trump's uh, tape came out on Friday. You know, over the last 48 hours, I have been really shocked and stunned to see how many women friends of mine, women colleagues have been sexually assaulted. Um, it's, it's, it's terrifying. And I had trouble sleeping last night seeing that. So, yeah, I just want to, um, since we couldn't really talk about consent today, I just want to say, you know, Trump's tape is not just locker room talk. And, you know, women out there having, you know, their body parts grabbed without consent is a huge problem uh, in our culture. And I just want to say I really hope our male listeners out there will think about that and shut that talk down when you see it because it, it, it leads to people being sexually assaulted. Bree uh, is, is on Twitter at SpaceCatGal with a K, not a C. Don't forget it. Georgia, where can people find you online? So if you're dealing with anxiety or depression or uh, we have a new set on consequences and boundaries, you can check out anxiety-videos.com. And if not, you can check me out on Twitter. It's at Georgia underscore Dow. All right. All that's left is for Steve to tell our wonderful audience what he always must. Steve, take it away. Go. Go listen to something else. We're done. What are you still listening to us for? Go.